And throughout this month, we've seen that the, the purpose that God had in this, many of the purposes, but we've looked at some of them. Number one, the first week we saw from 1 John chapter 3, is that God sent his son to destroy the works of the devil. And everywhere you look around in our society today, you can see the works of the devil. And then we saw the next week, also from 1 John chapter 3, that it says God manifested his son to take away the sins of mankind, to provide forgiveness of sin. We're all born into this world as sinners, and our sin presents us a problem. It separates us from God, and God sent his son into the world as the... What was it? The four and five-year-olds quoted, were they the ones, John 3.16? I thought, you know what? Right there is the greatest message of all the world. And those kids have that memorized in their mind. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God gave his son to take away the sins, our sins. So, to destroy the works of the devil to take away the sin of mankind, provide forgiveness. And last week we saw that Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father, not only to take away sin, but to bring us to a relationship with the Father, to reveal the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we learn all about the characteristics of God our Father through Jesus Christ and through his revelation. But this morning, we want to look at one other aspect in regard to why Jesus Christ came. And Jesus Christ came for a specific purpose to prepare us for his second coming. Years ago, um, I take it for granted that everybody knows about Paul Harvey, but many people don't know the, the Hall of Fame newscaster that was famous for giving the rest of the story. He'd tell a story and then he'd give the rest of the story. In a sense, today, we're giving the rest of the story. Jesus Christ came and we're remembering it and we ought to remember it. And the miracle of the virgin birth, the miracle of the star of Bethlehem, the miracle of, of his being preserved with the death of all the infants, and all of that came into play. But the reality is Jesus Christ came to, yes, reveal the Father, provide forgiveness of sin, destroy the works of the devil, but Jesus Christ came to prepare us for his second coming. Because he came once, he promised that he would come again. And Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ came in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This was all prophesied about Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ came the first time, 
he did not fulfill all of these prophecies that were given. The government was not upon his shoulders. He was not identified as Isaiah identified him here. And we read throughout Scripture over and over again that Jesus Christ came, yes, indeed, to take away the sin of mankind. But it's important that we realize the connection between his first coming, Christmas, and his second coming. So we ask, okay, we understand to provide forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. But why must he come again? Why must Christ come again? And let me just quickly list three reasons why he must come again. Number one, to fulfill his word. When Jesus Christ was here, he made many promises. Before he came, it was prophesied, as we read in Isaiah, of things that he would do, and he has not completed them yet. And while he was here, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. The Bible talks more about his second coming than anything else. And to understand, we don't have the time to to mention the many references that the angels made references to and the apostles and Paul and Peter and John and Jude made references to the aspect of his coming again. But he, he, he will come again to fulfill his word. He said, I will come again. The second coming is so important because he is coming to finish his tasks. He will reveal the Father more fully. He, he will completely destroy the works of the devil. You understand today the works of the devil are not completely destroyed. You see them everywhere around us. But Jesus Christ is coming again, and the works of the devil will be completely destroyed. He will bring an end to the lies, truth will prevail, and thirdly, he is coming to bring justice. He must come again to bring justice. It is important for us to understand that God is a just God. And in this world, there is not justice. You've experienced it in your own life. You've seen it in the lives of others. And Jesus Christ came the first time, but he's coming the second time to finish his work. And in doing that, he is coming to bring justice. I want you to notice the difference in his coming. In his first coming... He came as meek and lowly. In his second coming, he will come with power and great glory. In his first coming, as we saw, no room. In his second coming, the whole earth makes room for his coming. In his first coming, he was unnoticed. In his second coming, every eye shall see him. In his first coming, 
He came alone in loneliness. In his second coming, he will be escorted by the angels. In his first coming, he bears the burden of our sins. In his second coming, he is apart from sin. He is coming in holiness. In his first coming, he was identified as a villain. He was the evil one. In his second coming, he comes as the victor. In the first coming, he was crucified. In the second coming, he will be crowned. In the first coming, he bore death. In the second coming, he is the deliverer. In the first coming, it was sorrow. He bore sin and the sorrow of sin. In his second coming, it is pure joy. In his first coming, he was judged. He was identified as evil. He was crucified. In his second coming, he will be the judge. In the first coming, he was a child. In the second coming, he is the governor of nations. In the first coming, he was a humble servant. In the second coming, he's a triumphant savior. In the first coming, he was rejected. In the second coming, he is reigning. In the first coming, he came as an innocent lamb. In the second coming, he comes as a conquering lion. In the first coming, they mocked him as a king. And mockingly spit upon him and put a sign of mockery, king of the Jews. In the second coming, he comes as king of kings and lord of lords. We're remembering his first coming. But you can't remember his first coming without getting the rest of the story, which is his second coming. And in understanding that, when, when you come to the realization of the effects of his second coming, the effects that it ought to have on our life, his second coming requires a preparation. Just because Jesus Christ came the first time does not mean that we are ready for his coming the second time. My relationship, my response to his first coming determines my response to his second coming. If I say, you know, that's an interesting story, you know, it's, it's a neat tradition and we enjoy Christmas, but I don't really believe that Jesus Christ was God or I don't really see the need that I need forgiveness of sin, especially from someone to die for me. I never ask him to die for me, so I'm not really into that. If that's your response, if your response is to reject Jesus Christ or say, I'm not really rejecting him, but I I, I don't really need him, then you are not prepared for his second coming. There is only one way to prepare for his second coming, and that is to bow before him and say, God, I am a sinner, and my sin needs your forgiveness, and I ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sin. And our response to his first coming determines what he will do with us at his second coming. 
To some people, he will say, depart from me, I never knew you, forever separated from God. And to others, he says, today you will be with me in paradise, and it's all in response to what we have done with his first coming. His second coming demands preparation. His second coming then, as we have responded to Jesus Christ and have called upon him for the forgiveness of sins, knowing that we have a home prepared in heaven, should cause us to be purified. 1 John chapter 3 says, He that has this hope, meaning he's trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and he, he knows that he will be spending eternity in heaven. He has this confidence, this hope. He that has this hope purifies himself. Meaning, he says, because God loved me so much and is willing to forgive my sin, I want to do his will. I love him the kid saying, the kid said the verse, we love him because he first loved us. And it's understanding that and it's saying, God, I, I am submitting to you. I want to do your will. As believers, we should pursue to live a, a godly life because we believe Jesus Christ is coming. We believe the best is yet to come. D.L. Moody was a, a very famous and, and powerful man of God that God used mightily in, in the early 1800s. And D.L. Moody said the secret of his success was that he never preached a message without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I was finished. Do you understand what, what caused him to have a passion and caused him to be motivated and caused him to give his best? It was the realization that today I might be standing before God. It's the realization that, that today Jesus Christ might come again. And, and it was a, it was a motivation to them. It was a motivation to Moody. It was a motivation to believers through the ages. We read in Galatians chapter four, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. At the exact time that God designed, God sent forth Jesus Christ, born of Mary. In the exact time, in the fullness of time, God will send his son again. Do you think all the things going on in the world today are just Trump and Macron and Putin and, and the UN and the Congress and the House? Do you think that's all it is? Absolutely not. You understand, if you're a student of Scripture, you understand that God's the governor of nations, and he's moving and shaping nations as we are. 
this last week, President Trump decided to pull troops out of Syria. And you can read good people on every side of that decision. And the morning after he did that, I sat down and read Proverbs 21. And the paraphrase of Proverbs 21 was this. Just as water is turned into irrigation ditches. If you've been out west at all, you understand what irrigation ditches are. Just as water is diverted and turned into irrigation ditches, so the Lord directs the king's thoughts. He will turn them wherever he wants. And I read that and I said, Yes. God is turning the hearts, and, and without going into detail, Ezekiel 38 prophesied that Russia, Iran, and Turkey would form a union, and they would march down upon Israel. And in the fullness of time, God will come again And he is putting all the pieces into place. Just as he put all the pieces, Zechariah and Elizabeth bearing a son, and the message to Mary, and he put all the pieces into place in the fullness of time. And we're seeing the pieces moving into place. The fullness of time It may be this week, it may be next month, it may be five years, it could be 50 years. If I was a betting man, I'd bet on the sooner end than the 50 years. But I'm not a betting man, and you can be glad about that. You can talk to me about that later. But the reality is, Jesus is coming again. And and the reality was... People had waited for 700 years. When will the Messiah come? And they thought he'd never come. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth the Savior. And now, nearly 2,000 years, people are saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard about Jesus coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the fullness of time, he is coming again. And it should motivate us. It should cause us to understand, you know what? Today's the only day that I have. Whether he comes again or not, this is the only day we're guaranteed. Today's the only day that we can express our love to God. Today's the only day that we can express our love to one another. Today's the only day that we can respond to his first coming. Today's the only day that we can grant forgiveness to someone and and get a fresh start. Today's the only day... Because Jesus is coming again. And it should motivate us to take the steps of action that God desires us to take. And then one last thing. His second coming provides us much comfort. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, The trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And he said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I love the next verse. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 
What comfort is there in that? There's the comfort of knowing that the battle is over. I don't know about you, but I get tired of battling my own flesh. The battle is over. Sin is no more. The works of the devil are done and defeated and destroyed. Justice will be brought. Get tired of all the fake news. Get tired of all the deception, the lies at work. Justice will be brought. And victory will be won. I I love victory celebrations. But the greatest victory celebration of all is going to be in heaven. And it's when he comes again. And to be prepared, it's how we respond to his first coming. Have we personalized it in our own lives? We stand between two comings. The Old Testament believers stood on this side of his first coming, and we're looking here. We stand between two comings. And our relationship to his first coming determines our relationship to his second. If Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, we truly can have a Merry Christmas. But if He is not, any joy will be temporary and short-lived and will ultimately end in separation from God. One of the most familiar songs of the Christmas account is a song, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. Here in just a little bit, we're going to sing that song together. But I want you to understand that was primarily written about his second coming. And when you think of the words as you, as you sing that song, no more let sin and sorrow rule He rules the world in peace. We don't have that today, do we? This is all reference. He is going to bring these things in fulfillment of what he said he would do here. He now is going to come again and make things right. And because of that, we should celebrate and rejoice in his first coming. I'm not minimizing his first coming. It is to destroy the works of the devil in our life. It is to provide forgiveness of sin. It is to bring us to the Father. God never intended us to go through this life without him as our Father. We were made to fellowship with God. He came to make that possible. And he came to prepare us for his second coming. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you prepared for his second coming? I'm not asking if you've joined a church. I'm not asking if your good works are better than your bad. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. Has there been a personal a time that you have personally said, I am the sinner that you died for. I need your forgiveness and I trust Jesus Christ alone. It's the only way to prepare. And if you are a Christian, 
Is his love what motivates your life? If you're here today and say, you know what, I can't say I'm prepared, I would urge you to, to, to meet one of us afterwards. We'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know you have everlasting life. It's not joining this church. It's not we'll give you a list of good works to do. It's receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer, are you living in light of his second coming? Why are you so down and discouraged about the injustices in this world? God said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm going to make things right. I will bring justice. I will provide comfort. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Because we see the first coming and the second coming. We're standing between the two comings today. What is your response to his first coming? Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would cause every one of us to see the message of your first coming. And to see the glorious light of your second coming. And Lord, may our lives be dictated by those two comings and by the life of Jesus Christ. I pray if there is one here today that is not sure they are ready for your second coming. Lord, I pray today before they leave that they'd seek out one of us and we could show them how they can know they have everlasting life. Lord, I pray for individuals here today that profess to know you, but the reality of your second coming hasn't been the ruling factor in their life. Hasn't been a motivating factor, a purifying factor, a comforting factor. Lord, I pray today we would see things from your perspective. And Lord, what a joy it is to know again in the fullness of your time, at your exact time, you will send forth your Son. You will bring justice. You will completely destroy the works of the devil. You will set us free not only from the penalty of sin, but you will liberate us from the power of sin and from the presence of sin. And Lord, I pray that your two comings would be fresh in our minds today. May we rejoice in both comings. To your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask